This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Man, listening to Packers general manager Brian Gutenkunst earlier today at the NFL Combine in Indy, Packers may be more in the dark than Aaron Rodgers was for those two or three days. With Gabe Neitzel on me and Fitzsimmons in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN, ESPN Radio on the ESPN app as we are presented in part by Progressive Insurance. For people just tuning in, Gabe, you are based in Wisconsin right there in Milwaukee. You cover the Packers uh, day in, day out. As far as Packer fans and everybody you talk to, even in the organization or outside of the organization, when you hear the name Aaron Rodgers come up at a bar or at a presser, or just behind the scenes, what is a common denominator reaction? Well, certainly outside of the organization. Like fans, yeah, you start talking about Aaron Rodgers, and people still want to talk about it, even though I think there is an Aaron Rodgers fatigue. But that's what it is. It's kind of exhaustion at this point with Aaron Rodgers because it goes back for this team. It goes back to 2020. It goes back almost three years at this point when they initially drafted Jordan Love. And yet a lot of fans go, ooh, that's interesting. wonder how Aaron Rodgers feels about that. And Rodgers stayed quiet for the most part. But then fast forward to draft 2021, we find out. Ian, uh, uh, Adam Schefter reports that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. Maybe he ends up getting traded. Obviously ends up not getting traded. Stays with the Packers. Wins MVP number two. And last offseason, we go through the whole thing again. Ends up signing. And I thought it was the end of it. Thought it was the end of it. On March 7th. 2022, Aaron Rodgers signed a three-year, $150 million contract. And I thought, oh, okay, Rodgers signed up for the next three years. They got, you know, he's going to be here for a while. They can still kind of try to figure things out and build around him. And here we are almost in March of 2023, and he doesn't know if he's even playing football in 2023. It's it's going to be a year-to-year proposition for Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't matter how much money they attach to him playing next year doesn't matter how long the contract that he signed last season is for. He's decided that this is going to be life with Aaron Rodgers every offseason until he's finally done with football. And I have no idea when that actually is going to be because this is a guy early in his career who thought he'd be done by 38-39. And now he's talked about playing into his 40s similar to what Tom Brady did because you can play this long in the NFL at that position because of the way that they are protected. There is just a fatigue and exhaustion amongst the Packers fan base where I don't think it's to the point where they don't want him back because, I mean, he's been so good for so long. It's just that they want an answer. They don't care that he went to a darkness retreat for four days to try to figure out what he wanted to do. The fan base just wants an answer so they know how to react and feel about this team going forward. If I'm the front office or a teammate, I'm concerned that he had to go to a darkness retreat to figure out whether he does or does not want to play football because I don't want my quarterback, the most important position in all of sports, trying to figure out whether he does or does not want to play. Not just for the Packers, right? But But play ball. Yeah. Once you start thinking about retirement, that's the old saying, right? You are retired. Look at Tom Brady last year. Now, I understand the offensive line was completely different and he didn't have the same playmakers around him as the previous year in Tampa, or the previous two. But, man, it just it just looked different. So when you hear Brian Gutenkust, you know, Packers GM, he was posed the question, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers? Your feelings changed, he said. Our feelings haven't changed about Aaron, um, but we, we need to have some of those conversations about our team, where it's going, uh, where he's at, um, you know, before we go forward. Does he want Aaron Rodgers back as his quarterback in Green Bay? 
Yeah, there's been some contact back and forth. Um, obviously, he's, he's had some things on his plate, uh, but hopefully those things will happen soon. Do you want him back as the quarterback of the Packers? Yeah, I think you know th- those discussions have to happen and making sure that it's the right fit, but um, obviously we know the kind of player that Aaron is, and um, you know once we have those conversations, we'll, we'll be able to move forward. We'll have more to say. Well, he didn't look like the same Canton quarterback last year, to say the least. One of the worst statistical years of his career, and Gabe, Two-part question before we get to uh, you know the NBA, and we'll, we'll catch up with a 12-year NBA vet coming up in about two minutes. But one, your view on Aaron Rodgers, how much has it changed? And the other part, give me 30 seconds on Jordan Love. Is he ready? Um, I, clearly, Aaron Rodgers, I think there was some diminish, diminishment last year. I don't know if that was because of the broken thumb that he played through that he suffered early in the season when the Packers went to London. There's still a ton of skill there. The offensive round him was very inexperienced, and... Him not being here in the offseason may have affected their productiveness as a squad because it was just so many new pass catchers. That being said, I think the Packers needed to do a better job of replacing Devontae Adams. As far as Jordan Love, he looked great for 10 snaps against the Eagles. But what but, but what first-round quarterback can't put together 10 consecutive snaps, right? Like Zach Wilson, I'm sure, at some point, Jets fans out there can tell me, he put together 10 consecutive snaps. I don't know. It, it, it's just a big mystery right now because he's been so inconsistent, and we haven't seen him all that often. The sad part about this whole thing is this story is not going away any time soon because Aaron Rodgers loves to be talked about when it comes to the man in the mirror and Aaron Rodgers. He's Gabe Knights on me and Fitzsimmons. Canty and Carlin presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. LeBron James is holding his right lower foot area. ESPN NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski reporting LeBron James is feared to be out several weeks. If they make the play-in tournament, could they be a dangerous first-round opponent? Sure, if, if LeBron's healthy and if Anthony Davis is healthy. Unfortunately, those two guys aren't healthy together very often. How's your right ankle? It's a little sore. I'm not saying that totally sinks the Lakers' chances, but it sure doesn't help them. We turn our attention back to the NBA here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 with Gabe Neitzel on me and Fitzsimmons in for Canty and Carlin. And joining us right now is an old friend of ours. Uh, he spent over a decade in the NBA, and he also has his son, Dia, is one of the top high school quarterback prospects in all of high school football. Raja Dia Bell joins us right now here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And Raja, we greatly appreciate the time, man. Um, begin with LeBron James and, and, and the foot injury. He's going to be out for, quote, weeks possibly, according to Woj. Um, what kind of a run can the Lakers make if Anthony Davis stays healthy when you look at the, the, the just the how compact the West is going from, heck, the four seed to the 12 seed? It was a really tough blow, you know, in a year where he broke the scoring record, and I thought the Lakers did what they needed to do, given what they could do um, around the trade deadline to try to, you know, fortify that roster in a way that would give them at least a shot. Um, you know, they had been playing well, and so that was a really tough – as a fan, it was a tough a tough injury to, to, to watch kind of happen and hear the news about it. But, you know, if you're a Lakers fan, if you're Lakers brass and you're trying to look at the silver lining there – you know, Anthony Davis is going to have to make this step at some point into the player that carries the load and the rest of the team, including LeBron, to some degree, winds up being his supporting cast. That's just the nature of, of aging and father time is undefeated. So 
maybe if I'm trying to be the eternal optimist here, I can make a case for the Lakers role players really like drilling down on, on their roles and being the best versions of themselves in that. AD stepping into the next chapter of his career in terms of being the alpha on a championship-level team and then them staying viable in the West. I, I, I wouldn't expect them to make any real upward movement in terms of trajectory, but if you can stay hovering in that kind of mosh pit that's the Western Conference right now and LeBron comes back, then, you know, that's the best-case scenario, man. But, you know, they're so injured uh, lately, uh, LeBron and AD, that that I'm just waiting, you know, just trying to hold my breath and hope that everyone stays healthy in LeBron's assets. What does this mean going forward, like future after this season for the Lakers? Because they acquired D'Angelo Russell. All right, let's see how this works with everybody. But he's set to be a free agent. They have a lot of other free agency issues within their depth. Does this affect how they plan on operating in, in 2023, 2024 season? You know, if, I, if I'm the Lakers front office, I get a really good look at what I got. Um, I, I think my plan, if they're doing it right or if I were doing it, not that I'd be better at it, but what I'm, if I were forecasting it, I would probably have a plan going in to what I did around that uh, around trade deadline. And I don't know that I'd deviate off of that just because LeBron got injured. So if it was going to be to retain some of those pieces and they look good in what we're doing um, and, a, and a portion of them were going to move, then I'd still be kind of sticking to my guns and my original plan. I don't think this was a play for necessarily this year. You know, when you have LeBron in place, you've always got to be convincing him that you're moving forward. You know, you can't be stagnant. His window is just closing, and, and you can't sell that to him. So this wasn't a necessarily championship or bust move. So I think there's more dominoes to fall, and I wouldn't abandon that because LeBron got injured in, in, in this scenario. But obviously, if you're watching it down the stretch and it's obvious to you and, and whoever else is making decisions in L.A. that some of those pieces don't fit or they're not what you thought they were, you know, I wouldn't be afraid to move off of those and kind of change gears midstream, if you will. Played a decade in the NBA. Raja Bell joining us here on Canty and Carl on the ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 with Gabe Knight. So I'm Ian Fitzsimmons in for Canty and Carlin. Then you have KD. Uh, he's making his debut tomorrow night. When you look at, at how this potentially can or cannot mesh, uh, what do you see with KD with – Aiden and you know Chris Paul and Book out there in the in the Valley of the Sun where you used to play. KD's got this unique skill set in, in in terms of you know his offense where if you need him to be the number one he can certainly take the ball and do it as well as anybody in the league can do it. But because he's so well rounded and versatile he can kind of be a pseudo two at times. I mean he's always probably your best offensive player. But if you're running some sort of system a la Golden State at times where there are other really capable offensive players, like he can fit in. So I think offensively with Book and CP and the addition of, of uh, Kevin Durant, I think they're going to be really good. Now, it might take a minute. It might take them a second to kind of figure out who eats when and who's going to close games and where the ball needs to be and who's spaced and where they're spaced when said player has the ball. Like some of that's got to be worked out. But I do think it winds up being a pretty, pretty nice, you know, offensive combination there. Defensively, KD is a, is a very underrated defender. He's one of the better ones in the league with his length and versatility. But they lose so much, you know, in, in terms of uh, of wing defensive like depth that that remains to be seen how they play defensively. But I actually think that if you're the Suns and you are in this kind of weird place with the change of ownership and having made the finals and taken a, a, a semi backslide last year, I really like the move. I think it's a reinvigorating type of move, and and I think they're going to be good in the Western Conference now. If you ask me to tell you the flip side of it and what could potentially go wrong, I mean, if you have a star 
and I'm not I'm not saying this. I'm I'm saying in a hypothetical world like Deep Book, who may or may not be in the same window as Chris Paul and uh, Kevin Durant. You could throw you could throw Aiden in the mix too in terms of just age, where they're not ready to just accept roles and and define those in a quest for a championship. I mean, that could derail you, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think all those guys are ready to go. Our boy Charles Barkley, he went off yesterday (laughs) on a lot of things. I love the giggle, man. Uh, And Roger (laughs) Bell here with us on ESPN Radio with Gabe Neitzel and me and Fitzsimmons. On load management, KD needs to win one on his own, you know, and and not join a super team. Stick with load management right now. When you hear those two words, what comes to mind as a former guy who played a decade in this league and you grinded it for as many of 82 as you possibly could? a tough one for me brother like i here's here's shut up d are you kidding me come on man (laughs) tell me the truth let's go in terms of purely in terms of sitting out and 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 uh not playing like i wanted to play in every game like mike d'antonio jerry sloan larry brown will come over to me 40 minutes deep into a game and ask me if i'm good and the answer is yes because we want to play ball you know so I certainly would fall on the side of like, look, dude, we're playing basketball for a living. And barring injury, I'm still playing basketball. Can you dig what I'm saying? But why I say I kind of conflicted about it is because I don't think the genesis of this was from the player. I think the genesis of this and where the finger doesn't get pointed a lot is from ownership and from front office executives and medical teams that first realized that like, if you could start resting these guys, you know, it gives you this advantage and, and, you know, you might be able to avoid the injury bug. And that's typically what, what derails teams that have a real shot at winning championships. It's whether you avoid that injury bug or not. And so when they started doing it to benefit them, their franchise, the worth of their franchise, the, the championships that their franchise can win, when that started, then there's no honor amongst thieves, right? Because one sees it, it bears fruit, and the next does it. And I can speak from experience being in the front office with the Cavs. Like, there were times where we were telling people they were taking the night off. This wasn't someone coming into the office and saying, hey, um, David Griffin, I need three nights off. This was a plan in place beginning of the season targeted at making sure guys had rest. So while the players bear the brunt of, like, the criticism and the finger pointing, I do think it's a bigger picture than that. So if this is coming from pressure potentially from the organizations, how does it get fixed? Because I, I thought it was a player situation and the players just going, you know what, I want to play, especially as much power as the players have at times in the NBA. But if this is something that's systemic, Raja, how does it get fixed? Well, I don't have the answer for that. And I, I, I'm certainly not sitting here saying that the players that have been raised in the culture of load management aren't aren't culpable, right? I'm sure there are guys out there that all they know is coming into the league for eight years this notion of load management, you become accustomed to that like anything, and you're expecting your days off the same way that we did not expect our days off because we weren't given any, so we just played. And so you be, you become conditioned. So I, I'm certain that there are scenarios now where people are looking for a night off here and there, but when my first experiences with it with teams, it was more targeted at players that might be high-risk injury that were critical to team success ownership and medical teams and general managers targeting dates to sit them down to mitigate the possibility of them being injured. And, you know, I don't know what the answer is in terms of the league. I hear a lot of people saying that ownership has to come back to the table at the next collective bargaining agreement 
and try to figure this out. I think that both sides need to come and realize that their fan base doesn't like what's happening right now, and they are what drives the TV, which drives the revenue, which drives the salaries. And so they have to come to some sort of understanding. But ownership has to understand that this isn't just a player problem. And and I think fans need to understand that too. So they've got to come together as a group and, and get it right. You can reach him on Twitter at RajaBell19. And as we turn you loose, uh, we mentioned at the top of our conversation, your son Dia is one of the top quarterback prospects in all of high school football. And I think he's going into his sophomore year, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, what's that like being a dad and your son is out there in front and center with, you know, social media, what it is, and NIL and everything else, you know, especially at that position, the most important position in all of sports. What's that like as a dad who – played over a decade in professional athletics as an NBA player. What I could do for him, and I tell them this all the time, man, is I can, I can teach them, you know, when they're young, and my wife was a, was a really good college player too, how to, how to work, how to be humble, how not to put the cart before the horse, you know, keep your head down and, and keep digging. And, you know, we believe that if, if you do that and you're good people and you understand how to lead by example, not always by yelling at folks and, and, and pointing fingers, but, but being – being able to be held accountable and take some of it on your own shoulders, the good things will happen for you. Now, you know, there's got to be some talent there. And lucky his mom was really good, like I said, so he's got a little bit of that. But, you lucky know, his it's mom been was really cool. <laughs> 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 it's been really cool to sit back and watch him, bro. He's, he's just getting started. It's been, you know, a dad's dream to watch any kid put themselves to a task, whether it be sports or anything else, um, work hard at it, and then see some of the fruits start to bear themselves. So we're just in the early stages of it, but it's been really cool, man. Can he take you? Because you're a vegetarian, man. You're not eating steak. This dude's eating like freaking half a half a cow. So can he take you now? <laughs> um, yeah, he's listen. He's I don't lift with him anymore. Like it was. Oh, oh boy. I just spy. Hey, but how about this, Fitzy? Like, now I know I ain't even trying to make it about Dia, but played high school basketball this year. Took a took a year and a half off from like competitive travel. He averaged twenty a game this year in high school. So he's doing it on both. He's doing it on hey, both Gabe, sides. He got that from Mama, not from Dad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> ain't no doubt of Mama. And the in-laws are in town, right? So he's happening to be very nice to Mama right now, right? The in-laws oh, right, are in man. town. Hey, listen. I'm, I'm being I'm being extra nice, but if anyone needs anything from a store, a mall, a supermarket, if a gas needs to be put in the car, just let me know, and I'll be more than willing to take house. a ride right now. Get him out of the house! <laughs> <laughs> Roger, thanks for the insight, man. We'll talk to you soon. We appreciate right, you, buddy. Right. Hang in there. Always, man. <laughs> you, you kill us, man. Roger Bell here on ESPN Red Game. How about that last part, man? No wonder he spent 12 minutes with us, right? Like, oh, you're, get yeah, me he's looking, away. <laughs> I'm looking to kill time at this point. <laughs> We've all been there and done it. All been there and done it, man. He's Gabe Knights on me and Fitzsimmons. NFL Combine Camp Confidential coming up. You'll hear from John Lynch, Joe Douglas, Pete Carroll, and more right here on Canty and Carlin as we avoid in-laws here on ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? 
your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Guys are going to be running, jumping, lifting, all those good things at the Combine coming up later in the week, but... Everybody is already in Indianapolis. We're going to hear from some of those folks coming up right now on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Gabe Neitzel, along with Ian Fitzsimmons, as we fill in for the guys. Uh, so, so many coaches, general managers, everybody's there. And even though the Super Bowl was just a couple of weeks ago, still a lot of decisions for a lot of teams going forward in the NFL. And where we begin is in San Francisco, Ian, with the 49ers and John Lynch, their general manager, who talked today about the decision to delay the surgery that Brock Purdy needs. Just commenting on that, I I really want to thank Dr. Meister. You know, he called me when he made that decision. That's a tough decision to make, but I really appreciate the courage uh, and the conviction to make that decision. It's all about the best outcome. Is it ideal? No, you want, you know, for a a variety of reasons, time being number one. You want every waking minute that you have, but ultimately he's 22 years old. We want the best outcome, and that's what Dr. Meister made a really tough decision, and we're very appreciative. And he's done thousands of these surgeries. And he just, you know, when you have all the swelling out, when you have all the stiffness out is when he's he's had the best success with the outcomes. And so we're very thankful and we're hopeful that uh, when they meet down in Arizona this week, um, you know, they can move forward. And, and then it would be early next week as to when they would go in there and have the surgery. So Lynch kind of hinted at it at the end, but the reason why Brock Purdy's surgery was delayed is because there was too much inflammation around his elbow and they decided to push it back a little bit. They're still hopeful that he'll be ready for the start of training camp, certainly by the start of the regular season. But is Brock Purdy the guy? Do you think he's the guy going forward? Is it still going to be Trey Lance's team for San Francisco when we hit the fall, Ian? Man, before this injury, it was a simple injury. Easy answer, and that was like when Trey Lance started to walk in at OTAs, right with the, with the ones. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy would have been in the middle of that huddle already, going, "No, no, 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 I got this. <laughs> You're good, buddy. I got it." And every teammate around him would have been like, "No, no, no, yeah, it's it's his huddle right now." That surgery on on his throwing elbow, man. I mean, it's they, 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 by all accounts, it's a six month recovery. So do simple math. You're, into, you're, you're, you're creeping up on September right now. Mm-hmm. So there was a part where I'm, I'm going, if, should Sam Fran shop Trey Lance? Because Brock Purdy's your guy. Even when teams got a book on Purdy, he still delivered. So right now, man, you can almost hear the tone of voice from John Lynch like a son of a bleep. Man, we, we still haven't been able to get the surgery done, and we're creeping up on March 1st. So I still think Brock Purdy is the quarterback for the Niners going forward, but it's not nearly as clear-cut as it was to me about a month ago. 
Yeah, I mean, they gave up a lot of draft capital. And in general, the, the thing about John care. Lynch is he's not a typical general manager. I feel most general managers in this situation, Ian, would be like, nope, we, we gave up this much draft capital Don't for care. this guy. This is our guy going forward. But I think John Lynch is a different cat. And I think that's why yep. you're hitting the nail on the head when it comes to kind of the disappointment in his voice about the surgery being delayed for Brock Purdy. Even if he did try to sell at the end, like, oh, this, this is the best way to have success with this surgery. He tried to sell it at the end, but certainly there's got to be some disappointment. We also go on to a team that was impressed with the only quarterback who's presumably going to be a starter in the NFL next year that can actually talk to other teams because he was released by the Raiders, Derek Carr. He bounces. He's, he's been with the Jets. And they were impressed, according to their general manager, Joe Douglas. Obviously, you guys have seen reports about uh, us bringing Derek Carr in about a week and a half ago. Um, I can tell you that was a fantastic visit. Uh, we really enjoyed spending time with him. Um, obviously, he's the, he's the only quarterback that I can I can really shed any light on for you guys, uh, since he's the only quarterback that's that's a free agent. But uh, you know, I can say that uh, he left a he left a strong impression with everybody. And so, um, obviously, we're going to be exploring the, the veteran quarterback market this off season, and we're going to look at every available option. We feel like when it's time to make the right decision, whenever they're processed, we're going to make the best decision for the Jets. This seems like to me, Ian a general manager that wants Derek Carr to be his guy, but he knows his owner wants Aaron Rodgers. So they have to wait and see if Aaron Rodgers is actually going to be a Green Bay Packer or if he's going to be available. And then the dominoes start to fall after that Rodgers decision comes. If it's Aaron Rodgers like three years ago, four years ago, yeah, I agree. The Aaron Rodgers right now that we're dealing with is trying to figure out whether he still wants to play football or not. And I I think... I think Joe I, I, Douglas knows that. He's wit- it, it's his owner, I think, that wants yeah. the quarterback. And, and, and Woody he's Johnson's the like, look at, it's ticket sales, right? It's TV, eyeball. I mean, come on, man. Owners view this differently, as you know, Gabe, covering the Packers, and you're in the middle of that Aaron Rodgers nightmare <laughs> every single day. <laughs> I feel for you, Coach. I really such, do. Such a great word to describe it. But It is a nightmare. If I'm the Jets, it, it, it's, it's, right now it's Derek Carr. You know, if I'm the Panthers, it's Derek Carr. If I'm the Saints, it's Derek Carr. It's not Aaron Rodgers right now. Aaron Rodgers' first ballot, Canton. We all know that. Is he a better quarterback? Immensely better than Derek Carr. But is he as emotionally invested in the team and the guy next to him as Derek Carr is? Unequivocally, I can say no. Yep. And you're in the middle of it. You know him better, a hell of a lot better than I do. Well, and you don't know if you're the Jets and you decide that you want to give up for two first-round picks to get Aaron Rodgers, you better be going to the Super Bowl next year because you don't know if you've got Aaron Rodgers after that. And you've got a young core that you probably want to continue to grow together. Derek Carr probably makes more sense for that young core versus Aaron Rodgers coming in for one if you're lucky, I guess, two seasons. But again, if he's thinking about retirement now, he's probably going to be thinking about retirement and actually might retire in 2024. One last quick one for you, Ian. Pete Carroll, Seahawks head coach, addressed some of the rumors and reporting that happened over the weekend from The Athletic about Russell Wilson trying to get him fired. Similar response that it's always been with, with the guys that I've coached, that um, I'm always going to hang with them, and I'm never going to leave them, and I'm going to be there at the end of all of the good stuff and all of the bad stuff, I'm going to still be there. And so uh, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm hanging. And uh, it doesn't matter who the guy is. If you, you look at all of the guys that have come to our program, just not go back to the college days, but just here at, at Seattle, regardless of what has happened or has taken place or the things that have been said at all, if you hang with them, it all comes back around. And 
I'd like to demonstrate that faith in the relationship and the depth of what we did together and, uh, and hang through whatever the growth challenges bring to, to us along the way. So I'm good. Sounds like a guy who's giving a diplomatic answer because oh, yeah. he knows he's going to have to hang out with Russell Wilson for the 15th anniversary, the 20th anniversary of those Super Bowl teams when they all get together in Seattle for those celebrations. I don't know if a lot of those guys on those teams would want air Russell Wilson back at those reunions of the you know, 10th anniversary or 15th or 20th or 25th. You read between the lines there, and if you if for people who didn't read the article, man – Remember, this was an organization and a front office and an ownership group that was crazy enough to go and hire a college coach who had failed in the NFL Mm -hmm. and bring Pete Carroll to Seattle. And Russell Wilson tried to go to those same people that hired Pete Carroll and get him fired. That's a very bad move. And that's why Russell Wilson is in Denver and Pete Carroll is still the head coach in Seattle. Yeah, that's pretty simply put. Uh, the, in the NBA, Ian, uh, in the NBA, loads management is a huge topic of conversation, but one of us might need a little bit of load management as well. We'll kind of get dive into that and let you know who that is coming up next. Get to Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Also catch us on your smart speaker. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Gabe Nigel, Ian Fitzsimmons in for the guys today. And Ian... The XFL in the middle of, of their season now. We're a couple of weeks in. You're part of the broadcasts with ESPN. And I've enjoyed it because to me, the XFL is what spring football should be. I think back to what the XFL originally was, early 2000s. And this was covered great in the 30 for 30 um, on the XFL. The original, in, in, you know, parts of when Vince McMahon still owned the XFL. And some of the broadcast things... Like the, the, the camera on the wire, the sky cam, like that came, came from the, the XFL. XFL. Yeah. So it, to me, this is a great thing where, yeah, you can get some pretty good football, but it also can be used for some great experiments. What are some of the rules from the games that you've been at? What are some of the rules in the XFL that you kind of like and enjoy and, and kind of go, yeah, that, that kind of be cool maybe to see in the NFL? After the first two weeks, uh, there, there's one that has come up more in conversations that I've had with NFL, a couple of NFL GMs and a couple of assistant coaches and coordinators, and that is the 4th and 15. Instead of an onside kick from your own 35, you can opt to go for a 4th and 15. And if you don't get it, 
then the opposing team gets the ball from wherever that play ended. Incomplete, it's on your own 25, right? Yep. If you miss it by a yard, right, and you're on the 39, then the team gets it on, on your 39. So that, to me, is one that, that has gained more momentum than any other one. You saw it in week one with the St. Louis Battlehawks against the, the, the Brahmas of San Antonio, coached by Heinz Ward. You know, A.J. McCarron throws a dart on 4th and 15 and give Anthony Beck, our old teammate, you know, here at ESPN and, uh, you know, former first-round pick out of West Virginia by the New York Jets, played, what, 15 years in the NFL as a tight end from the Jets mm-hmm. and Tampa Bay Bucks. He had the guts to say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not kicking an onside. I mean, the odds are, what, 24% or whatever it is. I'm going to go and, and put the ball in the hands of my quarterback, and, and he hits Austin Prohl. You know, UNC Tar Heel for 17 yards, and they on, go on down and, and score the winning touchdown. That is the number one that I've heard more than any other aspect. That, and I don't know how the NFL could do this or college football, but the transparency that you have in the oh, replay booth so with Dean good. Blandino is remarkable. That's a big complaint, especially late in the season, that I had about the NFL. Because in the playoffs, they were using the booth official and sometimes they would use it, sometimes they wouldn't during the NFL playoffs, right? Like, after a long conversation, they would, do, they would try to hide it, even though everybody knew what they were doing. Upon further discussion, yeah, I don't believe the seven of you guys were discussing something. Somebody right. got in your ear and told you, hey, this is what you need to do, which I don't have a problem with. I just want to know when they're doing it, why they're doing it. Transparency is always a good and, thing, And the amount of time. Yes. Blandino has shown you that it doesn't take two and a half, three minutes to, re- nope. to, to go through a replay. You know, the game I had last Thursday on FX between St. Louis at Seattle, which came down mm-hmm. and, and St. Louis is now undefeated on a game-winning kick as time expired. But early in that game, there was a muff punt, and you couldn't tell whether the ball in real time did or did not graze the returner's leg. Well, Dean Blandino looked at four different angles in a matter of 35 seconds and went, can't tell, move on. Instead of spending like, well, let's go see if 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 his sock moved by him. I mean, no, no. You know, Wait, do a blade thread, of grass. I think that thread you know? moved. That thread right. it used to be more red. Now it kind of no. got darker because the move ball hit on. It. I mean, it's like not can't tell, inconclusive. Play stands is called on the field. That the transparency to me has been remarkable and almost a relief, right? That you're like, hey, this can be done in big boy college football and the National Football League. Funny you mentioned the city of Seattle, where you were last Thursday. Dude. And I, I think you, you kind of learned a lesson about that city, did All you right, not? Look, so I, I've called a, few, a, a lot of games for the Washington Huskies, right? Whether it's USC at, at wide Husky Stadium. I mean, that place is awesome. It was the first time I've been to Seattle. I've never done an NFL game with the Seahawks. So first time at Lumen Field. We're staying on da- in downtown, and I, I hate you for bringing this up, but it, it's you talk about load management in the NFL. I got load management I'm dealing with from a focus group of one. So we're staying at a hotel on, on it's like 4th Avenue or 4th Street, downtown Seattle, and I always laminate my, my depth charts. You know, so yeah, I mean, hey, I didn't, I didn't have time at home, especially in Seattle. Right? You never know what's going to rain. So yep. didn't have time at home. I'm walking to this Kinko's FedEx, you know, print shop about four blocks from the hotel you walk two blocks down you bang a right right on on like marion avenue or whatever it was and i'm looking down and it's a steep drop down these two streets toward the water walking down i'm good right then it's a breeze super go to the kinko's right get my depth charts laminated 
Then all of a sudden I look up, I'm like, damn. No, no streetcar? No streetcar that could take I, you up? I realized how out of shape and what a pathetic human I am walking up these two hills to get back to my hotel. There was Not kidding. There was a woman with a cane, mid-60s, who lapped me. <laughs> I mean, by the time I got to the top of these two hills, I mean, my quads were on fire. The next day, my butt sore, hamstrings are tight. I mean, it was ridiculous. So you want to find out what kind of physical condition you're in, I recommend go to Seattle, walk, get, get, go around 4th Avenue, walk down two streets, right? And yep. then try and walk back up, and you're going to find out really quickly what kind of either a phenomenal shape you're in or I am a big old bloated blah, bag of butt. That's what I am right now. It was nauseating. <laughs> Hills will always test you. Hills and stairs. You think you're in great Dude. shape. You take a, take on a flight of stairs going up. My it wife's can kick like your football butt really fat. Quick. He ain't lost it in the fall yet. Packers talk <laughs> coming up next. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.